Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner and you are listening to Pregnancy, Parenting and Politics, the podcast. Now, as our title announces, that's what we talk about. Pregnancy, women's health, prenatal care, labor, birth. We also talk about being a parent in these times and about the politics that hold so much seen and unseen power over our lives as women and families. Now, we're starting week six of quarantine and the numbers of sick and dead are astounding. They're also, you know, here's a little silver lining. They're slightly lower than anticipated in some parts of the country. Balance that with the fact that they are way more horrifying than anticipated in others. Um, You know, we're seeing politics reflected throughout all of this, not just from our leaders um, and particularly our president, who I do not have any positive things to say about right now, Uh, but in terms of the real politics, the people that hold this country together. There was an ass-whooping election in Wisconsin last week in their primary. Uh, It's during the middle of the pandemic. They voted, even though it meant potential exposure to coronavirus, even though there were only five polling polling places open and um, voters showed up anyway, they sent the message and Democrats won in a landslide. It's remarkable that they turned, you know, under those conditions, they turned a longstanding Republican red state blue or Democrat. Voters are sending a message to Washington loud and clear. And this is it. Enough. Enough. Now, I don't want the podcast to be solely about the coronavirus during these months that we're all quarantined because I think we have to balance out our media input. You know, there's only so much we can hear, right? And then it starts getting to be too much for us to be able to function as normal, healthy people in the world. Um, That said, there's hardly anything else to think about. Let's get real. Except, of course, for the care providers and service people that we are seeing uh, magnified during this event. I'm thinking about the nurses, the healthcare providers, the doctors, the grocers, the truck drivers, the service people, the people who are mopping hospital and grocery store floors, the people who are restocking the shelves, the people who are dropping the packages off at our houses. They're putting their lives on the line They're showing up at work, even though they have families of their own that they're worried about. And basically, they are running the world right now. They are the people running the world. It certainly isn't our, you know, governmental representatives. It's service people, people providing service, being as brave and courageous as any of us will ever be asked to be, because that's what they're doing with their lives right now. It's remarkable. So as I was thinking about you know, what I wanted to talk about this week, I um, was scrolling back through my, you know, four and a half, some years of episodes. And I wanted to find out what did we talk about four years ago, you know, right during Easter and Passover week, four years ago, which was our first season. And wouldn't you know, the episode that I did four years ago this week was with a labor nurse. And we talked about the job of being a nurse and all the challenges nurses face and the sacrifices we make because of the nature of our work and the hours we work and the shifts we work and the people we work with. Um, I tell you what, 
I can't think of a better episode to present to you this week than that one, this one. I love my nurse friends and the healthcare providers that I've worked with, and I admire them beyond measure, especially right now. I think you all agree. So I'm going to play this episode as is with its original introduction using the original title, Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, which was named after my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, and I hope you like it. Hi, everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner, and you are listening to Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, the podcast. I'm the author of Common Sense Pregnancy, the book, which was published by Penguin Random House last summer. I'm also the blogger behind Fit Pregnancies, Ask the Labor Nurse, and I worked as a labor and delivery nurse for a real, real long time. So today, I want to talk about uh, nurses and caregivers. And uh, back in podcast number nine, which we titled Frank Talk with the Labor Nurses, I talked with um, mother-daughter labor nurses, and they were very honest and revealing. And we talked about, you know, our work lives, we talked some shop, we spilled some secrets, and that turned out to be one of our most popular podcasts so far. So a couple weeks ago, I was trolling Facebook, and I came across some posts by nurses I used to work with, and I really missed them. There's this special culture of women who work in maternal health. And as nurses, midwives, and doctors, we really carry each other and our patients through some really profound experiences in life. It's a great gig, but labor nursing is a really hard job. And anybody who works in direct service professions know that. There's real, real long hours, very physical labor, tons of computer time, and huge levels of responsibility. Sometimes our patients are incredible, great, amazing people that we love spending our shifts with. Sometimes they're really challenging and difficult, and the shift is hard. But again, it's a great gig, and for most labor and delivery nurses, it remains a great job for a very, very long time. Some of the relationships we form on the day shift, the night shift, over holidays and weekends are really tight. We kind of have to depend on each other to get the job done. And many of us wind up depending on the women and men we work with for a lot more than that. A lot of us are mothers or caretakers who are also juggling child and home responsibilities. There was a period of time where I was the primary care provider for my father plus mothering uh, five kids, also married, and working, you know, full-time night shift. When you work that level of profession um, with other people, you know, we're, we're all in it together. We're helping you take care, birth your baby while our own kid might be home with a fever. Um, you know, we're working alongside nurses who's going through some really difficult life events and some real joys too, and we celebrate that with each other. Our lives are pretty heavy on the caretaking and we help tip the scales to some kind of balance by taking care of each other in big professional ways too at work and just as often in tiny personal ones. It's what we do, it's who we are. We are a tribe. 
So today, I want to talk with another labor nurse who recently posted something that beautifully illustrated the reality of what nurses do. We're going to call my friend Amy. Hello. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing really good. So Amy, you and I go back a ways. We were... We do. Yeah. We were labor nurses together (laughs) on the same labor and delivery unit. And um, even though we no longer work together, I keep track of you and yours on the mother of all social media platforms, Facebook. So first of all, let's tell our listeners who you are and what you do. My name is Amy McAlpine, and I am a labor and delivery nurse um, at a hospital here in Portland that I've worked at for about 14 and a half years. So when you and I worked together, were you a new nurse? Were you brand new? I was. Yes. I started on the mother and baby unit and then uh, started labor and delivery, and that was fresh out of college. Yeah, yeah. Are you still on, are you still working nights? No, I work day shift now. Nice. How long did you spend on night shift? Um, I worked night shift for about two years. I did a little bit of on call and then I came back after having my first child and worked a little stint of night shift and then I went to days. I was fortunate. (laughs) You really were. You really were. (laughs) I I really was. I worked nights for 10 years before I went to days. And I, yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that when I started, it was very much, um, it was very much kind of a drop in staff. And so I think that I just kind of got in at the very right time. A drop in staff. Oh, you mean well, that I think that there, people were like quitting there was a drop. Yeah, yeah. People were quitting. Got I it. think that I just came at like the fortunate time for, getting a day shift position for sure. Cause I know that there are quite a few gals that we work with that I work with now that are still on nights and have been on nights for six years or so. so. Yeah. Yeah. I feel lucky. Yeah. Yeah. It's gruesome. Night shift is gruesome. I know that there are some yeah. nurses that it just totally works. They can sleep great during the day. You know, they get off work at seven thirty or eight in the morning they're in their bed asleep until nine, they sleep until six, and they come back to work at seven. That never right. happened for me. <laughs> that never happened for me either. I think I was too much like what's happening in the world while I'm sleeping uh, to do that. I didn't sleep very well. I was never a very good sleeper during the day. And so it made me a little bit crazy to work night shift. Yeah. Literally. And then there's the kid thing. I mean, for me. Right. The, only, the really good thing, there were a few good things about being a night shift nurse. Um, the camaraderie was great. I think there was more autonomy as nurses. And then it was the daycare thing. You know, my right. I could sleep while the kids were in school. And, you know, my husband was there at night while I was working. So it kept the ridiculous daycare bills down to something that was almost manageable. I think it's funny that you say that because after... Uh, 10 years on day shift, I've actually contemplated going back tonight for that very reason, mostly because I miss so much of what happens during the day and the weekends Yeah, with my kids in school now. Yeah. Well, you speaking of that, you wrote something over Easter weekend on Facebook that was so touching. Um, can I read it? Sure. Okay. So Amy wrote, 
I love seeing everyone's photos of their Easter celebrations with family and friends. I'm not sure how to put into words the pride and sadness I sometimes feel when I work a long weekend, especially over a holiday. There is something that is amazing and sad about caring for another human during such important times in their lives while you are missing your own family. Maybe this isn't unique to nurses or to other healthcare workers. Maybe it's true for all working mothers and fathers. I just feel honored to do the work that I do, but I also feel like I miss a lot of celebrations with my family. My kids are older now and they know that I work and they know my work is important, but it's sad to see the sadness in their eyes, even when they try to hide it. I see it. I just want to say thank you to all my nurse friends who give so much of themselves and often miss so much of themselves while they give. Happy days. That is just so beautifully stated. I really appreciate it. And oh, how many weekends and holidays and Christmases and even Mother's Days and spring breaks and birthdays and so on and so on. We miss with our families because we're working and they're not. You know, hospitals never right. close. Babies never come at convenient times. And there were quite a few drives to work in the car on a Christmas Eve or a Thanksgiving day when I cried because I felt, you know, cheated out of time with my family. I wanted to be home with them having the holiday too. But then once I got to the hospital, things usually started picking up. And I knew essentially there was no way out of it. I needed to work the shift. Unless, of course, a miracle occurred and they didn't need as many nurses <laughs> as were scheduled. And I was the lucky one who got to go home. But more often right. than not, you know, I suited up, put on my scrubs, got to work. And, you know, once once I had the scrubs on, you know, that crying in the car nonsense was over. And, you know, as you mentioned, taking care of other families and helping them deliver their babies is an honor. And, you know... You stated it really nicely. Well, thank you. Yeah. It, it almost made me tearful as you were reading because it, the, the feelings were very true in that statement. And and I remember even more so when I was a new mom and I would be fine going to work and then I would come home because, you know, we worked 12 hours. So I would come home to my baby sleeping and then I would cry thinking about all of the things that I had missed that day. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 Do you think it's unique to our situation as nurses? I don't. I think this, that what is unique <clears throat> to labor and delivery nurses or anyone, any nurse actually is that we give so much of ourselves when we care for other people. Mm-hmm that I feel like sometimes you give so much of yourself um, and then you give to your family that I think sometimes it's it's harder because we oftentimes don't care for ourselves as much but I think that I think that anyone that works it's 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 challenging to leave your family I think that as a person that works long hours I think that that plays a a key part in it because it's not like you're just gone for the day you're gone for the entire day mm -hmm. so to work 12 hours on Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter you know it's not like you're just gone for a chunk you're really gone the entire day so yeah yeah I think that that makes it challenging so how often do you cry in the car <laughs> not as often anymore my kids are older um I think but it's funny that you say this because I got a text message yesterday from a friend who just recently had a baby and she 
is among those mothers who have to go back to work so early after having a baby. And her daughter is almost five months old, and she text, sent me a text yesterday from her car crying. She said, I wish I lived in Sweden where I could stay home all year. Oh, that with that comes baby. up. That comes up so often on this podcast. That is the universal cry of motherhood is, you know, we we don't get to stay home with our kids and we don't have any kind of formal support. You know, I right. I, I talk to women. Our su- what, go ahead. I said our support is texting a friend saying, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. And we just have to say, you know, you can do it. it it's not great but we all can do it it just isn't it's unfortunate that we have to yeah yeah so how do you balance caretaking at work with caretaking at home what do you do geez I wish honestly I did more for myself I think that as I'm getting older um, I realize that it's important to care for myself a little bit more so I do take time to hang out with friends it's It's funny that, you know, when you're early in that motherhood stage, you know, my kids are 12 and 9, so I've been doing motherhood for a little while and balancing work and momhood. So I feel like I'm a little bit better at it now than I used to be. I feel like um, when they were babies, I really didn't take any time for myself. But I think now it's important to not have that guilt when you go hang out with friends or go to the gym or go for a walk. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, I think that that's that's what I do now. I try not to feel guilty about taking time for myself. I think that in the very early years of mothering, I mean, we're just in survival mode. And (laughs) (laughs) taking care of ourselves is, oh, great. I got to take a shower today and shampoo my hair, you know, or I got to eat an entire meal. You know, those little things are caretaking. But later, when the kids are a little bit older, caretaking is... It's almost as important for them to be able to see mom model self-care and that she doesn't have to give away every aspect of herself to the job or the family. She can save some. She she's right. She's not just you know, oh, I'm Amy the nurse or I'm Amy, you know, the kids mom or you know, you're Amy. Right. Yeah. I think that mostly I try to do this because I have a 12-year-old daughter and I really want to emulate for her that her life will be more than whatever she does for a living Mm -hmm. or whatever she, you know, does for her family, that she should never lose sight of herself Mm -hmm. um, within that. And I also try, you know, whenever I think, oh, I shouldn't go do this or whatever, I tell them that it's important that I do this. You know, it makes me a better mom. So, yeah. And I actually tell them that my work makes me a better mom because Mm -hmm. honestly, I feel like I, I appreciate the time with them. Although I feel sad when I miss things, I also feel so much joy when I get to be with them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it's a good balance. Well, let's talk about work a little bit. Okay. Um, I guess an obvious question is, what's your favorite assignment? 
Honestly, I like taking care of moms that have never had a baby before. And I know that some people would think, oh, that's a lot more work because they don't know what's in store for them. And it takes but longer. Honestly, <laughs> and it takes a lot longer and the and the work is a little bit more challenging. And But I love, I still love after 15 years of doing this job, watching them bring life into the world because it changes you. It really does. And I know that, you know, with the second and third baby, it really changes you also. But there's something that's very magical about watching somebody become parents. Yeah, it really is. Even still. Yeah, yeah. First timers are, are, it's pretty remarkable. It really is. Yeah, yeah. So what's your least favorite part of the job? Well, I think that that's probably fairly obvious. <laughs> what? You know, when things don't go well. I don't know. Like when we care for people that have had a loss, I think that's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's that's probably the very worst part of our job because when things go well, it's amazing and wonderful. And when things don't go well, it's the saddest place in the hospital to be. It's devastating. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, I agree. Although for me, I think that sometimes my least favorite part of the job would be when I was assigned to work with, you know, a physician that I didn't like his or her practice. I didn't like the way that he or she treated their patients. That was always really, I hated that. Or increasingly, um, charting. Oh, charting. Charting. Charting is the worst. It's the charting worst. Charting is the worst. Yeah. It and just... it's only getting worse. It's not getting any better. It's getting actually much worse. Yeah. More boxes to click. Yeah. 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 I'm often talking about, you know, computer care versus patient care and what percentage right. of, of the work that nurses do is actually, you know, in, in terms of patient care, it's shrinking and computer care is growing. So we're not really, you know, nothing that we put in the computer is actually benefiting the patient. It's benefiting the insurance providers. It's benefiting, you know, the legal department. It's keeping track of things on an electronic fetal or electronic record, but that isn't patient care. No, it's, it's not. It's, And, and honestly, some of the electronic charting is impossible to actually tell the patient's story. So when I first started, we would chart and you could actually see a story with the patient. You know, you were with mm-hmm. the patient um, and the charting reflected a story or the things that had happened throughout the day. And I feel like it is getting much worse. It's it's most for data collection yep. and less about the patient. For right. Sure. Right. Yeah. So is there anything that you want to change about the work you do? Um, I always joke with some of the midwives. Um, I worked on a project, the pregnancy care package, and I joke with the midwives about getting a birth out of the hospital or if we could have a birth center that would be very, very safe for patients or for mamas and babies Mm -hmm. and holistic and family friendly and 
less sterile and more welcoming, I would absolutely love that. And I think that the pendulum sort of was swinging one way and now it's kind of swinging back the other way. And so we'll kind of see where it lands, but just wish that we could care for moms and care for babies without having to worry about lawsuits and data collection. Yeah. Do the job the way that it always has been done before this generation. And yeah, do it the way it's meant to be done. But well, honestly, I think that it's really good. Our, the place that I work, you see way more midwives than you have ever seen. When I first started, there were hardly any midwives delivering babies in the hospital. And now almost every single practice has midwives. Yeah. So I think that that's wonderful. Yeah. It's hard to believe, isn't it, that there are still places in the United States where midwives are not welcome in hospitals. I mean, they they can practice legally in all 50 states, states, but that doesn't mean that they get hired at hospitals. It's hard to believe. That's crazy to me. Yeah. I'm very thankful that I I work in Portland, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So I get a lot of um, emails from readers and listeners Mm -hmm. all over the world. And over the years, there's one question that's pretty consistent. Um, And it's always with the first time moms. And the question is, what if I don't like my labor nurse or she doesn't like me? Do you want to take that one? You want to try answering that one? Sure. I'll try answering it. I feel like everybody's going to do their, their best work if they're, if they're in an environment where they feel respected and feel like they're getting respect. And so I feel like there probably is times in which, you mesh better with somebody than you do somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that, I don't know. It's a hard question. It is. I would never say that, I would never say that there's somebody that I just couldn't get along with. Um, I, I feel like I'm pretty good at learning somebody and feeling, you know, chit chat and getting to know people right away because there's some invasive things that have to be done within five minutes of getting to know somebody, you know, sometimes in a labor and delivery (laughs) environment. So it's, I've always, I've often, my friends have often said, you're so good at just talking with people. And I'm like, well, I I have to get to know people kind of quickly in my world. So I, I have a tendency to be able to do small talk. So I don't know. I don't, what do somebody what do other people say? I don't know. Can you answer that question? Well, I think everybody kind of answers that question more or less the same. It's a real balance of um, respect and instant intimacy because I mean, just telling it right. like it is, if we get a woman who comes in the door in active labor, one of the first things we need to do um, is put our fingers in her vagina. Hi, nice to meet you. Let me check your cervix. And, you know, sometimes... That's exactly what I say to my friends. I'm like, I'm going to have my hand in her vagina in five minutes or three minutes and sometimes one minute. And I need to be able to just say, hi, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Let's get this out of the way and then we can chat. Yeah, I know. I know. I remember we used to work with... um, Somebody, I can't remember who it was, maybe an anesthetist or a nurse. I don't remember who it was, but years ago, you know, they introduced themselves as whatever their name was and then do like a military salute with two fingers and say, at your cervix. 
Oh, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. But... I wouldn't do that. Yeah, no. yeah. I know. Uh, well, here's But a... I do find myself talking with my fingers a lot. Like, oh, she's, you know, blah, blah. And I have my hands out. So I have to work on that still. After 14 years of checking cervixes, I still talk with my two fingers. So. Yeah, yeah. We all do it. So <laughs> I got this, e- this um, email from a woman, not in Oregon, I don't know where she was, but she sent me this email and I want to read it to you and let's see what you say. So um, I'm not going to say her name because I'm not sure she wants that information out there. I'm expecting my second baby soon and I don't want a repeat of what happened with my first one. I felt bullied and belittled during my first labor when I didn't want my nurse to start Pitocin and I didn't want to be monitored the whole time. My baby was fine, but my nurse kept saying stuff like, I know you want what's best for your baby, so you have to do this. When I told her, no, I don't, she got really mad and was a jerk to me the rest of her shift. I was so relieved when I got a new nurse who had a completely different attitude. I'm delivering in the same hospital this time, and I have a very specific birth plan. I'm worried that I'm going to get the same mean nurse or that my other hospital staff caretakers, labor nurses, won't support me or won't like me. What should I do? I haven't written back to her yet. And what I what I will, I mean, this is not a unique email. No. Not no. at all. And what I'm going to recommend that she does is... Um, I'm going to recommend that she actually ask for a meeting with the nurse manager before she goes into mm-hmm. labor and discuss with that nurse manager her concerns and um, ask for the nurse manager's input. That's what I'm going to do. Um, yeah. or, or that's what I would recommend. But, you know, a lot of people aren't going to have that option. You know, maybe they can't. Maybe they don't have the transportation to get to the hospital for a, you know, pre-labor interview or whatever reason. Right. Do, you, do you have any advice for? My advice would be to just, I know that it's vulnerable to self-advocate. Um, I wish that she would have felt like she had a voice when that was happening to her, because that would be devastating for somebody to feel like that. And And I think that remembering that nurses are humans and sometimes, you know, they're having a bad day or, uh, you know, or they're being pressured by their bosses or they're being pressured by their bosses or by the physician or the midwife to Mm -hmm. do what they're being asked to do. And so I think I wish that we could give a more of a voice to our patients because I feel like, it is their response. I mean, it is their right to deny or not want or request not to have or to request to have whatever they want during labor. And I think that it's our job to do that for them mm-hmm. and to support them in a safe way. Um, because we all know that like 97% of the time, everything goes great, maybe even higher. 99% yeah. of the time, everything goes great. Yeah. Um, and so... I think a lesson that we're all learning is that the more we keep our hands off of patients, the better things happen. But I do know that there are still places that and instances where women do feel bullied. And I think that that's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I also, for, I would just, 
for listeners um, out there who are worrying that, oh my God, what if I get a labor nurse who's bullying me? Know that you right. have the right, right then and there, to ask for whoever the charge nurse is and say, I don't like my nurse. I don't want her taking care of me. I want a new assignment. You have that right. Right. Yeah, you absolutely do. And I think, I think, you know, I've been fired from a patient before and it, it, it doesn't feel great as a nurse, but I totally, if things aren't meshing, then things aren't meshing. We're yeah. all humans and we all have certain personalities. And sometimes it's just the circumstance in which, you just may not be getting along with that person or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So I think that try not to get your feelings hurt and try not to feel like somebody's pressuring you, but certainly give yourself a voice. That's what I would recommend, that people feel empowered to have their voice back yeah. so that they can advocate for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Or ask somebody to help advocate for you. I yeah, don't know. have a doula. Ask your partner. Yeah, yeah. a doula. Yeah. yeah. I think that partners are in a, they're in kind of a sticky situation because most of the time they don't know what they're doing either. They're unfamiliar <laughs> with, you know, they're unfamiliar with the yeah, routine true. and absolutely, they're frightened and they don't know what's going on. You know, I, I, right. I think that, um, it's still kind of an elite privilege in most places to be able to afford a doula, but um, right. You know, if you can, it might be a good idea. And in situations like what my um, emailer went through, you know, have somebody there because who, that's yeah, yeah, who can advocate for you when you're in that when you're in the throes of labor. The last thing you want to do is pick a fight. Totally, yeah. it's not good for anybody. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Safe and comfortable and respected. That's how you need to feel when you're in labor. So. Absolutely. Can you see yourself being a labor and delivery nurse for the rest of your career? I don't know. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I am content right now. I love my job. I'm fortunate to be able to do what I do. I think I do it well. Um, so I don't have any plans in the future, in the near future to quit. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I want to be a doula too. <laughs> Does Less that charting more? Yeah, really. Supporting that, patients. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> really, I mean, would you want to be a doula after being a labor nurse? No, yeah. no. I just wish we could go back a little bit so where we could support patients better or yeah. women better, and and um, not have to chart so much. So I'm looking forward to the day when we don't have to worry about that so much. You sound optimistic. Do you think that day is coming? I don't know. I feel like a lot of what we do is not not necessarily research-based, and I feel like a lot of it is for data collection, and I feel like women are trying to take their voices back and, you know, take their births back, and I feel like, I, I feel like I'm feeling it in Portland, at least, where, mm -hmm. you know, birth centers are popping up, and... We're having safe, safer transfers to hospitals, and there's a place for everyone mm -hmm. to have babies and feel comfortable and safe and supported. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll see. I'm I'm a little bit optimistic. Okay. Well, I've got a couple, just a couple more questions for you. I want to shift gears back to talking about what it's like being a working mom 
So what are the big challenges for you in being a working mom? Uh, scheduling events and things. Um, I feel like with the kids in school, you know, they're still getting them off to school and picking them up from school. And when you work 12 hours and your partner works until five or six, you know, it's, it can be challenging juggling, juggling schedules, missing softball games and baseball games and gymnastics. And it's just, that is difficult. It's always been challenging and mostly, you know, making sure everybody's fed. I, I always have always, in the house. yeah, I've always thought that the <laughs> hardest hours of parenting, no matter how old your kid is or what your situation is, are the hours from three to seven. Because everybody's, yeah, there's always a gap in terms of Mm -hmm. childcare or when they're newborns, that's, you know, everybody has, you've been going with a real spirit of goodwill all day long. But in those hours, (laughs) both the baby and the parents have kind of lost their shit. And, you know, those are the hours, those are the colic hours. Yeah, when you're home with the baby and the other person walks in the door, you're like, "Here, take this thing." You know, yeah. you're you've just like hit your limit. Yeah, take yeah. this, take this child. Yeah, and then yeah, when they get older, those hours are still a huge hassle because of the you know, do they do after school daycare? Do you connect with a network of parents and drive each other's kids around? Um, and then inevitably there's one kid who nobody wants to, you know, there's always a challenge. <laughs> and then challenge. and then you have to fix dinner. And right. you know, I don't want to eat that. Or, you know, right. those hours. Yeah. No wonder so many people drink. (laughs) No, seriously, seriously. Or when I walk in at eight o'clock and, and my partner is just putting food on the table, I'm like, seriously, it's eight o'clock. They need to be in bed in a half an hour. Yeah. I feel like the arguments in our household are mostly about the children times of eating and whether or not they made it to their activity. Yeah. Have clean the morning when the next person's responsible for off to school. So yeah, it's certainly, certainly a struggle. Yep. Yep. Well, Amy, I've got just one more question for you. And it's the question that I ask everybody who comes on the show and you can answer it any way you like. And that question is, where are you in your life as a mom? Where am I in my life as a mom? I feel like I am loving my life as a mom right now. I feel like I have two incredibly wonderful children who I feel like I won the lottery with them. They're kind humans, not just my children, but I feel like I'm thankful that I, that I have been able to find a balance between work and home um, and that we're able to provide for them as a working mom. I feel like I'm, you know, work enough that I can provide the things that they need and I don't know. I feel happy right now as a mom. Good answer. Proud. Good. Good. Well, this has been a great conversation, and I really appreciate your being willing to be so open, talking about the important work that you do in your your life as a mom. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me on the show. All right. We'll say goodbye here, and we'll talk again soon. Mama said there'll be days.
Today's guest was Amy McAlpine, a labor and delivery nurse at Providence Health and Services in Portland, Oregon. Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios in Portland, Oregon. You can learn more about me and my work at genefaulkner.com. Email me your questions and ideas for future podcasts at gene at genefaulkner.com. You can tweet me at genefaulkner. And thank you for listening, sharing the podcast, subscribing, and for keeping these important conversations going. Let's talk next week. Pregnancy Parenting and Politics is produced by Recluse Records. Come and find us over on Instagram and Facebook at Pregnancy Parenting and Politics. You can find us on Twitter at Jean Faulkner. And um, come find me on my website, jean at jeanfaulkner.com. We'll talk again next week, everybody. Bye-bye.